Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today we're talking about football, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited. Um, I have a plan. I have a plan for what we're going to do until camp starts on October 8th, I believe, and uh, that plan is this. Uh, So every day we're going to go through and we're going to talk about a Buffs position group And we're also going to talk about one of the other teams in the Pac-12 with the idea being that by the time camps open, we'll have like a good idea of what's going on all across the conference, kind of what to expect from the other teams. And it'll make it easier to say like, oh, we're playing USC this week. Well, if you want to know what's up with USC, we'll talk about this week, but you can also jump back and we'll have a podcast recorded. Um, And it's just kind of fun to finally go through these positions again. It, It feels like we just did that, but then I remember... That, that was June. <laughs> that was the last time we actually went through and talked about all the positions, kind of doing the same thing, getting ready for camp. Um, not much has changed, uh, but I know that I honestly need to relearn some things, and so I figured that uh, there would be some other people who would uh, feel the same way. So, yeah, that's kind of the plan. Like I said, uh, camp is supposed to start October 8th. Again, that's assuming that the order in Boulder County doesn't get extended i don't know whether that's something we should expect something that's hardly even on the table so we might have to be flexible there i guess the buffs are the ones that have to be flexible there uh but yeah that's kind of the plan for uh the next couple of weeks here and then uh start actually hearing from the people in charge of all of this i think once camp starts we'll probably start getting uh, our normal three, maybe, media availabilities a week. Uh, here from, uh, well, how'd they do it last year? Last year, we had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays during the season. And I think Monday was Mel. Uh, Tuesday was either the offensive-defensive coordinator, and then Wednesday was Mel again. Um, and then you get an offensive-defensive player. Yeah. Oh, Tuesdays were the, it, wow. It's crazy going back and trying to remember what the world was like. Um, but yeah, we should, we should be able to hear more from people who are either playing football or coaching football starting the next couple of weeks. And that's when we're going to know who's looking good and who's going to be even playing this year because it is so wide open. So yeah, uh, that's the plan for today. Uh, we're going to start at the top with USC. Um, and I'm excited about that. But first, we need to talk about Green Mountain Dental Group. Green Mountain Dental is the greatest place in Lakewood to get your teeth cleaned. 
Uh, it's a family-owned dentist tree. Is that yeah? Is that what you call? It? What would you call? You wouldn't call it like a dentist store, the dentist shop. Maybe is it just a dentistry? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Green Mountain Dental Group is where you can go to uh, get your teeth cleaned by people who are really good at that kind of thing. Uh, it's a family-owned place. It's uh, run by Colorado sports fans, and uh, they're just good people. Uh, Lindsay, our sales director, was out there a couple months ago to get her wisdom teeth out. She said it was literally the best experience that she's ever had with a dentist. Again, it's only 15 minutes away from downtown Denver. Um, so get out there, and if you schedule a cleath or teeth cleaning x-ray and exam, you can get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's right, a free Sonicare toothbrush for a cleaning x-ray and exam. Great deal, get out there. Okay, USC. So, um, there's a lot of ways you can go with this conversation. Um, but here's where I want to start. Across college football, players are opting out of this season. Typically, they're opting out because they want to get ready for the NFL draft. Um, NFL draft prospects are typically some of the best football players, and uh, that means they typically play for the best teams. Uh, USC is uh, one of those teams that is really good and has a lot of good players, and some of those players may not play this year. Um, big names were Elijah Vera Tucker, an offensive lineman who opted out, um, as did Jay Tufele, a probable first round draft pick in my mind. And that, uh, that puts them in a tough place now that they are able to play because when they opted out, they weren't supposed to be able to play, um, both have since said that they're still opted out. They aren't trying to come back. There was a uh, strange bit of news with uh, Keaton Slovis, the quarterback, who said that he reached out to Elijah Vera Tucker and, and tried to get him to come back, but he still doesn't know what's going on there. Um, but that's something worth monitoring because if you lose two NFL caliber talents, that really does change the shape of your football team. Um, just recently, Javon Holland, not the best player in the Pac-12, maybe the best defensive player in the Pac-12, um, the defensive back from Oregon opted out. And I think that was last week that Javon Holland opted out um, right after the decision. Um, so you're seeing some of these teams get hit. And it does make me wonder if the difference between the good teams and the bad teams will be significantly less than it has been in the past in the Pac-12. Um, and so that's kind of where I wanted to start this conversation by saying that I don't think that there are teams that are unbeatable. I think that for the reasons that I was just talking about with just the craziness that is this season, um, the, the altered practice schedule, the fact that the season is so short. Um, if you, if you start hot, well, all of a sudden a three game winning streak, that's halfway through the year for you. Um, I, I don't expect as much separation this year. Um, and, and you still have to pick USC when the, when they do play the buffs this year, but 
there are at least a couple of reasons you can cling to hope. Um, let's just run through this team, though. So, uh, Clay Helton, the coach, firmly on the hot seat this year. Uh, they've been able to pull in a lot of very good talent, um, as USC always does. That's not something that, you know, if if the Buffs had a coach who was bringing in the type of talent that USC is bringing in, but the Buffs coach couldn't scheme or there was a toxic locker room or whatever, maybe you could look past that just because he is still bringing in the talented players who give you a chance to win any given Saturday. At USC, you're getting those players probably no matter what. You're in the hub for talent in Pac-12 territory. So that makes Helton's seat just a little bit hotter because it's not like you really reward him for doing the recruiting job that you just expect a coach at USC to be able to do. And then the on-field product is disappointing. Barely been dodging being fired last year and the last couple of years, last year in particular, you know, there were reports that he had been hired or fired. Now it's coming from like the Sports Illustrated Maven sites um, that covers uh, USC. And, and so it was just kind of, chaos at the top there um and and the lack of kind of stability and accountability and consistent expectations i think is really causing a problem in that program but that can flip quickly you have one breakthrough year where everything works out and you know maybe it is this year where they go seven and zero and and make a college football playoff then all of a sudden the expectations have risen and the internal expectations, more importantly, have risen. No longer is that a goal. That's just what USC should be doing again. Um, but they've struggled for a while, and there's no guarantee that this is going to be the year that they pull it together. All that said, I do kind of think that they might pull it together this year. And the reason is Keaton Slovis, the quarterback. Um, USC quarterbacks get overhyped, and that's a thing that happens um, and it's a thing that's happened for a while. There's this expectation for those guys to be the best in the conference and among the best in the country and be first-round draft picks. And, you know, when they get to the NFL, recently they've generally been busts. Um, they haven't had the same success at college that you would expect them to. I expect Keaton Slovis to change that for this program um, this year. You know, last year he was a freshman and he was remarkable. You can look through all of the stats, um, you know, lowest rate of uncatchable passes when he's throwing 10 plus yards downfield in the entire country. And he was a true freshman. Um, that stat from Pro Football Focus, by the way, also from Pro Football Focus. I just like searched him on Twitter and you can find all this stuff. Um, they called him the most valuable true freshman last year, but you can, you know, he's a quarterback. That's what you expect. The number two graded returning Pac-12 quarterback. Um, so many reasons to think that he is going to be successful. Uh, and, and it all starts with just the talent that he has. But you have to look at the talent around him as well. And you look through these receivers and they're all, I mean, virtually perfect prospects. You don't know what they're going to turn into. Again, that's been the question at USC is the talent development. But even though, you know, they, they lose Michael Pittman, who was drafted, I think, on day two of the draft um, by the Colts, uh, 
who was their deep threat? A big jump ball guy. He's like six foot five, just massive. It's not really a problem because there's so much behind him. Tyler Vaughn's was not quite as productive last year, but I think this year he can be every bit of what uh, Pittman was. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown, he's exciting. Another potential opt-out candidate. Um, he was second-team Pac-12 last year. Um, but, you know, he was the number two prospect in his class um, for receivers. Um, Tyler Vons was the number three receiver in his class. Brew McCoy, a redshirt freshman, um, he was the number one receiver in his class. And you just go all the way through. And we talked about this before the Buffs played USC last year. But all these guys, you know, 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", uh, 200 pounds, 215 pounds, um, just elite prospects, guys who you expect to be NFL guys. And when you give a young quarterback who has the talent that Keaton Slovis has um, these types of targets, you should expect a lot of success. A um, lot of returning talent at receiver, um, returning starting running back, not necessarily um, a guy, Marquis Step, who you would rank among the top in the Pac-12, but the floor for running backs at USC just has to be so high. You know, Vivai Malapai, another guy who could just take that job and be, I don't know, they have a bunch of lottery tickets. So many guys who are very talented, very big and strong and fast, and you just need them to put it together. Odds are one of them's going to figure it out, even if there isn't anybody in that group where you say, oh, wow, he's going up against C.J. Verdell for being the most dynamic threat in the conference. You know, it's a, it's going to be interesting to see what that running game looks like, but I'm confident in it. You know, they, they did lose Austin Jackson, who I think was he a second round draft pick? Uh, I think second round. Um, a, a good tackle, but more of a project guy. Um, and he wasn't the sharpest when he was at USC, but they bring back, um, well, three starters. If Elijah Vera Tucker plays, if he doesn't, then they only bring back two. And maybe there is one of your questions is what does this offensive line look like? And in a shortened season, maybe it does hurt the teams with stability along the offensive line more because I think that you've seen this with the buffs, especially last year, how good that offensive line got when they had time to develop. You know, those first few weeks, things were a little bit shaky, but it slowly did get better and more cohesive. And that's what happens for offensive lines. Um, and so by cutting out the last six games of the season, if you don't have an experienced offensive line that's played a lot together, those are the six games where you really expect to have to have more success for them to really have it figured out. And instead you're saying, okay, we have three games where it's going to be kind of shaky. Then we'll have three where it's looking pretty good. Um, so I do think that that probably has to be um, the question mark. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, let's, uh, anything else there? Not really. Let's go on to the defensive side. Uh, Jay Tufele again is the story. He's the most talented player on the defense. Uh, the big defensive tackle, 6'3", 315, 
Um, first team Pac-12 last year, second team the year before. Um, those were his freshman and sophomore seasons. Coming back as a junior, hopefully, hopefully we get to see him. Um, but without him, they still have talent. Um, you know, it, it's not quite like the buffs where you say like, oh, I really hope that Antonio Alfano's on the field this year, which is something that we just don't know about at this point. And that's one of the things that we'll be able to talk to coaches about in a couple of weeks. And I'm excited to hear what they have to say about Antonio and what's kind of changed since everything went down this spring. But the difference, obviously, is that Jay Tufele is proven. You know that you're getting somebody who snap in and snap out is not always going to be the best player on the field, but when they're not playing Oregon, probably will be the best player on the field. Um, around him, they have some experience. Um, Drake Jackson, Brandon Peely, um, some younger guys who you could get excited about. Um, but outside of the defensive line, what I'm really excited about is the secondary. Um, and it isn't an excitement because you expect it to be great necessarily. It's excitement because you have so many returning players who are actually pretty young. You know, I think all five defensive backs, um, all five starters from last year are starting again this year. Only one of them is a senior. Um, and for the most part, pretty highly touted recruits coming in. Um, still some question marks. Um, you know, they, they had some injury troubles last year. Um, one of the DBs missed like the entire season. Um, then there was other injuries just like throughout the season consistently. Um, but seven players in that two deep have starting experience. They have the highly rated recruits. If the coaches are as good as they should be at USC, honestly, they need to turn that group into – they probably can't compete in Oregon. Who knows with the opt-outs, I guess. But as of right now, I really think that this needs to be one of the better secondaries, especially because you do have the anchors up front. Um, and so that's kind of what I expect from USC this year. Um a very explosive offense, an offense that's built off of big plays. I think they're going to try to spread out the defenses um, quite a bit. And then, you know, they have some big bulky running backs, and I'm not in love with any of them by any means. But I do think that when you're able to lighten up the box and pound the defense with a 220, 230-pound running back, uh, that's a very good formula in modern college football, especially when you have the passing game that you can rely on like you can with Keaton Slovis and these receivers. Defensively, there's upside. Um, I wonder about the tackling. Um, I, I wonder if this is, you know, watching Louisville, for example. With Louisville, it kind of felt like they they're more of like a basketball team when you watch them they're fast and they're all over everybody but they're not quite physical enough to break up the passes when they get there they're they're missing tackles because they aren't quite big enough and i think up front 
USC is pretty big and bulky, and they have some linebackers who I'm excited about, but that's kind of where I'm at is what is this defense? Because I do think that this defense has the talent to be successful, but that's really what USC needs to win the games that they can win. And, and health is going to be a big part of it. Um, I think that that's about it. I think that that's about it. Um, 17 returning starters. Uh, one of the more experienced teams um, in the Pac-12. I think I think that they have to be the favorite to win the Pac-12, and uh, that should just about sum it all up. Um, before we move on to talk about the Buffs, I want to talk about Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge is the Colorado beer. If you haven't tried it yet, then you're really messing, missing out. Uh, there are so many different kinds that you can try, whether it's the Avalanche Amber Ale, the Strawberry Sky, and they're all just so good. Um, you know, I'm kind of really going heavy on the strawberry skies right now because it is kind of transitioning into fall, which is weird. I'm, I haven't even looked at the weather like long term. I just kind of look day by day. I know that this morning I had to go to the grocery store and I was like, wow, sweatpants and a hoodie weather that kind of surprises me i guess it'll be 78 on friday that's nice and warm oh 70 on wednesday 82 tomorrow okay so this is just a cold day but days like today remind me that the time when you can just sit outside in shorts and a t-shirt and drink a strawberry sky are going away and i do not want to miss any of those um if that's the beer you want to try then of course you can come down to the dnvr bar you can pick it up at most king supers uh, Costco, liquor stores, all over the place. Or if you really just want to be safe, jump on the Breckenridge Brewery website and use the beer locator, which will tell you where you can pick up whatever beer it is you want to try, whether it's a Strawberry Sky, the Avalanche, any of them. Um, it'll show you on a map all the different options, and it is really convenient, especially if you're an out-of-state um buffs fan who's listening to this podcast and you want to try these beers um also want to give a quick shout out to msu denver online msu denver online is the place to go uh if you're trying to get an online education you know if you're somebody who is just starting college for example and you're not really getting the experience you want <laughs> because of uh, the covid19 pandemic MSU Denver is a great option um, because they are so experienced running online classes and they're going to charge you like you're taking online classes. It isn't like going to um, a university that maybe you thought you're going to be at in person and then it moved online. Um, MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classrooms. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. Um, a couple of our staff members at DNVR have been taking classes at MSU Denver online. Um, Harrison Wind and Ali Monroy 
and they really have been talking up the professors, uh, how much they care, first of all, but also just the approach that they have because most of them do work in the industry that they're teaching you about. Um, and most of them just work in Denver, which is a great networking opportunity. Um, and because they are working kind of at the highest levels of their field and making good money doing it, they give you real practical knowledge instead of just teaching you out of a textbook, stuff that you really won't use when you get out of school. Um, if you want more information about MSU Denver Online, then go to their website. And I really cannot recommend these guys enough. Um, spend your gap year with MSU Denver Online. Continue the education. Um, lighten the load a little bit for when things get back to normal. Um, again, msudenver.com online will have all the information about the 40 plus online programs that can get you a degree or the 700 plus courses that you can take if you find one you're interested in. Okay. Let's talk buffs. Um, it's kind of tough to decide where to start. Um, because it's easy to want to go to the quarterbacks or the running backs, but I kind of want to save those conversations um, for later on. It's not that the other positions aren't as fun to talk about, um, but, you know, there's a quarterback battle, and that is the story. And we're going to get there, but today we're going to start with the defensive backs. Um, an interesting group. It's a group that will be really fun to watch. Um, also one of the tougher groups to project because even though there is so much young talent that will be on the field and, and more young talent that won't be on the field, they'll be pushing the guys for reps on the field. Um, there isn't a whole lot that's proven. Darian Rakestraw improved drastically last year um he first started after Aaron Maddox went down with the leg injury um one of the tougher looking injuries that the buffs suffered you know he rolled into was it an exercise bike on the sideline it was something like an exercise bike had a big cut on his leg that left him out for quite a while um Aaron Maddox then left um he had played three games or no, he had played four games up to that point, which meant if he played one more game, then he would uh, not be able to count the 2019 season as his red shirt year and save that year of eligibility. He missed how I can't remember. He missed about a month at least with the leg injury. At that point, Darian Rakestraw was taking his place. Um, Darian Rakestraw was the starter it wasn't really clear to anybody, I don't think, what the plan was going forward, whether that was going to be a role that was split, whether Aaron was going to shift to somewhere else, um, or whether Aaron just had to ease his way back into that starting spot. But Aaron was not going to start when he returned from that injury and um, didn't want to play another game without knowing what his role was. Um, and whatever happened behind the scenes happened behind the scenes and he decided to transfer. Uh, he's up at Northern Illinois now. Um, and I wish him all the best, you know, I had a good time with him while he was here. I wish that he was still playing here. I think that he could have had some 
interesting opportunities in this defense um, to fill a, a variety of different roles. But uh, he's out of the picture now, which means that this is a very young secondary, not a whole lot of experience. You know, Makai Blackman is a senior, but a pretty inexperienced senior. Um, he's going to be playing cornerback, I'm pretty confident. Um, missed most of last season. Started two games, I think, but then went down with the leg injury, and we didn't see him again. It was disappointing because he was kind of the talk of camp last year. Um, from the very beginning, you know, whenever I was doing interviews, I would at some point say like so who impressed you today and who's impressed you like overall throughout camp and a lot of the guys were saying Makai has been impressive and Makai was playing a bunch of different roles he was playing that star position um which is Davion Taylor's spot last year should be Mark Perry's spot this year and when Makai plays that role obviously he's smaller than those two guys he's more of a corner um it's more of a third down look when maybe even Mark Perry is going to play some inside linebacker. They call that the money spot, the dime linebacker. When you have six defensive backs on the field, um, Makai this year, I think is mostly going to play outside. Um, I think they're going to let him just kind of take that job, especially because even though I think he's still listed at six foot one seventy, that makes him kind of small to be an outside cornerback. It actually makes him one of the bigger cornerbacks for the Buffs this year. I mean, I, I guess with Tariq Luckett at 6'3", 180, he's kind of your big guy. But you look around at KJ Trujillo, 6'165", Nigel Bethel, 6'170", um, Dylan Thomas, 6'2", 185. I'm not sure what his status is at the moment. Um, but... It is a pretty small group of corners. You know, we we're talking about these USC receivers. I think that that USC game is going to give the Buffs more trouble than it does give some of the other teams in the Pac-12 that have similar talent levels to the Buffs. Uh, just because when you have guys who are 6'2", 6'3", you can go up and fight with somebody who's 165 pounds, you expect those USC receivers to win those battles. And that's going to be one of the big questions for me this year is can these cornerbacks play bigger than they are? You know, I don't worry about K.J. Trujillo sticking with somebody. K.J., uh, who's going to be a sophomore this year, played quite a bit as a true freshman last year, started uh, seven games, and made some plays last year. Looked really good last year and for in a lot of ways. You know, he, he was a true freshman. Um, one of the things I think happened to K.J. a lot was that he would be able to stay in position um, to stay in stride with the receiver, but didn't always make the play at the end. That is where I want to see the biggest step forward from KJ. Um, at the very least, knocking those passes away, but also picking some off because he is so quick. He can put himself in position. You know, some of these receivers could be able to just box him out. He may not have the strength to be able to fight through that contact and make a play on the ball. Um, but those are kind of the questions is what does he look like this year? And now that 
he hasn't necessarily like mastered sticking with receivers. There's still work to be done. He's still a young guy, um, especially if he does have all Pac-12 aspirations or NFL aspirations, which I think he should. You need to see him make more plays on the ball. Um, and I guess that's kind of the question. I don't really have anything to add. I would expect him to improve. I think that all sorts of improvement should be expected from year one to year two for anybody, um, but especially somebody with KJ's reputation. A lot of people say that he's been asking a lot of questions in meetings. He, he wants to learn. He wants to get better. And that attitude is a very important aspect of all of this. Um, one of the more interesting prospects for sure. Um, so KJ and Makai are likely your two outside corners. Makai a senior, KJ a sophomore, and you see the upside. Um, because Makai was getting the rave reviews, because it did sound like he was going to really push for that starting star job, which would have changed the shape of that defense. All of a sudden, you have more of a, a cornerback playing the cornerback, linebacker, safety hybrid spot versus Davion Taylor, who's more of a linebacker, safety type, plays linebacker in the NFL. Um Maybe we'll see some flexibility there, but that star job, that star job is mostly Mark Perry, which I'm excited about. Um, looked fairly well-rounded in that position last year. And I think for the most part, you just want to see him kick all of his skills up to the next level. In particular, I really enjoyed watching him blitz off the edge. Um, Four tackles for loss last year and one start, that's a good number. That's a really good number. Um, he could get back there into the quarterback, not because of refined pass rushing skills, but because sometimes the quarterback didn't expect a blitzer off that edge because he was decent at disguising that blitz off the edge. I think that that is going to be where Mark Perry... Do I? Yeah, I think that that's going to be where Mark Perry... Um, makes an impact. Um, his, his big plays are going to be as a blitzer from that position. Um, I think that he can do better setting the edge against the run from there. I think he can develop in coverage. But when you look at the body type combined with the skills, at six foot, 200 pounds, if you wanted him to put on another five or 10 pounds, then I think that that would really help him become a true NFL type of prospect, like a true NFL slot defender, um, because the NFL is starting to adopt this, I don't even know what you would call it, almost the ideology that uh, college teams seem to have adopted, where you just call him a slot defender. Um, the Buffs call him a star, different teams call him different things. Um, but the idea is, you can do all sorts of different places from that spot, but you aren't necessarily just a true cornerback. You aren't just bringing a third cornerback on the field. Um, you're bringing in these hybrid players. Excited to see what he does. I don't think he's going to be pushed all that much. I wonder if he's ready to play inside at all. Um, and that is kind of maybe my biggest question for him is can he play the dime linebacker spot, the money spot, um, and move obviously inside next to Nate Landman, or does somebody else develop that ability? You know, maybe the Buffs do use a linebacker that is on the table to fill that spot. A guy like Marvin Ham, an athletic linebacker who's fast, is he ready this year 
to be that guy then. You know, he's a guy who could also be a starting linebacker, but that would kind of surprise me. Um, We have a lot to learn about Mark Perry still because even though he was rotating in, he did only start one game last year. Um, Chris Miller is another interesting guy in this secondary. Um, a sophomore. He... Also got hurt last year, only started two games, missed the rest of the season. Um, two starts the year before as well. Um, he has another, he's another guy with the reputation of being a bright guy, asks a lot of questions, willing to do whatever. Um, and he is changing positions. He's no longer playing cornerback. He's now playing strong safety for the buffs, um, which will be a shift. And, and the reason he changed positions was that there weren't enough options at safety. Um, with Aaron Maddox gone, he was supposed to be that other guy there. Um, I, again, don't know what happened, why he left, any of that kind of stuff. But now it does look like Darian Rakestraw and Chris Miller are going to be the pairing at safety. I'm excited about it. Chris Miller brings a lot of athleticism to the position. I wonder what kind of physical presence he can bring. Because that, I mean, this will always be the question for cornerbacks moving to safety. Can he be a hitter? Can he play the run game at a high level when he's playing the run game more often? You know, normally if you're playing cornerback, you make what? Two, three plays a game in the run game. When you play safety, it's more than that. You're moving up into the box. You're closer to the action. You have to play more physical. And for somebody who has missed some time with injuries, I think it's fair to ask whether his body can hold up through more contact. And somebody did ask that when we had a chance to talk to Chris over the summer. Um, I think it was Brian Howe of the Daily Camera. Um, and he said he wasn't worried about it. Um, but there are, just, there are some questions that you have to have when somebody changes positions. Uh, I don't really worry about the mental side. That is one of the questions you'd ask, though. You're learning a whole new position. You're not going to have as many reps as you typically would. At least that's what it looks like. Again, things are just so weird because, you know, the buffs have been having all these 12-hour weeks that they typically don't have. And then they have a four-week camp. Uh, which is kind of the normal week for in time for camp. You miss out on the 20 weeks of ramp up beforehand. I don't know what exactly people are going to say. You know, losing all of spring practice, though, has to mean that you're less ready than you typically would be. Um, but that is going to be one of the questions I'm going to be asking a lot because I am curious what the perspective is of guys who've been through this process before. You know, a Darian Rakestra who's been here for a while. What's it like? How how do the number of reps change with all of this going on? Um, but again, Chris Miller by reputation and in my one or two conversations I've had with him seems like a guy who shouldn't be all that impacted. He's going to have a lot to do um, mentally in terms of making calls for this defense. Uh, he was excited about that challenge. He wants those responsibilities. That's what you want to hear. Um, you're not, really going to hear somebody say no I don't want to do it I'm just going to have to anyway though you know it's 
you can only have bad answers. You can't have good answers when you're asked, how do you feel about calling the place? You know, um, but it does seem like he really is excited. Um, and for a defense that gave up a lot of big plays, putting a little bit of extra speed at the back end of the defense is not a bad idea. Um, and that's what Chris Miller is. Uh, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see it. Um, I'm excited to see this whole secondary, you know, behind these starters, these starting five. Um, you know, I brought up Nigel Bethel. He's somebody I'm excited to see. Went to Miami, transferred to Colorado before last season, had to sit out last season because of the red shirt transfer rules uh, in the NCAA. Have to sit out a year unless you get that waiver. He didn't get the waiver. Um, not even sure he asked for it. But what does he bring? Because he is a, a, a guy who's, was highly thought of coming out of high school goes to Miami. Um, I guess an ACC team, but a team with a good defensive reputation. Um, we haven't seen him though. And so I'm excited to see what we see there. Yes. To see what we see there um, at corner, you know, Tariq Luckett, um, a guy who I think it's pretty easy to get excited about. Um, just because of the tools he has, that that length makes him appear as though he should be a starting outside at cornerback here sometime soon within these next couple of years. Um, I, there isn't much to add. You know, he was a receiver before last season, needed depth at cornerback, so he switched. I was fairly impressed given the circumstances. Needs to take some steps. Um Anybody else at corner? Not really. I think that mostly covers it. Um, you know, Christian Gonzalez at safety. Um, a true freshman who could see the field. Excited to see him. Torin Pittman, another true freshman at safety who... I mean, we should at least be seeing those guys on special teams. Isaiah Lewis, kind of the dark horse at safety. Uh, he is a junior this year. Uh, likely serving that third safety role, but behind Chris, or yeah, behind Chris Miller and Darian Rakestraw. Um, if somebody gets hurt, I'd expect him to be the guy to step in. Um, I think he will compete for a starting job. I don't think he'll win one, um, just because of what we've seen, and we've seen the other guys be on the field more than we've seen him on the field. Um, Mark Perry could also play that more true safety role um, if there were to be an injury. Um, We'll see. But those are the defensive backs, and that's kind of my thoughts there. And again, just to sum it all up, it's going to be an exciting group to watch. There is a lot of talent at these positions. Um, I like the way that all these pieces fit together. I like going a little bit smaller at one of the safety spots, adding some more speed at the back end of the defense, especially when you can have a guy like Mark Perry, who who is a, he's a big guy, and he can hit, and he can make plays in the run game. And he can get to the quarterback, but also he can play in coverage because he does have the athleticism. You know, if you're ranking the likely draft prospects in this group, I think you have to look at Mark Perry as the guy who you'd most expect to be an NFL guy. Um, KJ Trujillo is a guy who I'm really high on. But, I, I mean, also like Mark Perry, I guess, you need to see more out of him. The reason I put him behind Mark Perry is because he is undersized, and that is tougher to fight through. Um, 
you know, Darian Rakestraw with a good year, he could get a look. Um, Chris Miller, definitely in that conversation. Um, but just need to see him on the field more. Uh, same thing with Makai Blackman. Um, but Makai like, had a very good reputation. People were excited to see him on the field before he got hurt last year. Now he only has one year left, and he's going to have to play really well. Um, just kind of for perspective, I mean, you guys have seen good DBs go through this program and go to the NFL. Um, whether it's uh, from the uh, rise season with Cheeto and Akello and all of them, um, or even Delrick Abrams last year who got a camp invite, got called up to the active roster and was on the field for the Atlanta Falcons yesterday. That's what an NFL cornerback looks like. He has the length. You know, a guy like Makai Blackman doesn't have the physical tools that Delrick has, but he could be more productive on the field this year and get himself a, an invite to an NFL camp, especially when NFL camps get to be bigger again next year. Um, fun group to watch, but there is a low floor. Um, not super low, especially compared to some of the other position groups, but definitely when you have a bunch of guys this young um, and after last year when we saw this defense give up a lot of big plays, they were able to cut them down as they progressed throughout the season. And as they progressed throughout the season, we saw more of these guys on the field. Um, well, I guess I, I'm by saying that, I mean, we saw some Dylan Thomas and Tariq Luckett and, and those guys. Um, they're still options. So... You'd have to think that if Makai Blacker and Chris Miller are going to be out there, that should be an upgrade. Um, very high ceiling as well, though. Just looking at the athleticism, um, just need them to make some plays and stop giving up so many plays, and the bus will be just fine at the back end this year. That's going to be one of my favorite groups to watch, though. Um, that's going to do it for today's show. Um, I will be back tomorrow with another episode of the DMVR Buffs podcast, talking about another Pac-12 team, another position group. If you guys have any questions, any thoughts, uh, this is where the comment section should start to get popping again. Now that we uh, can all share our takes on USC, share our takes on the secondary. Who are you excited to see? Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Do you think I missed out on who the starters are going to be? I'm curious what your thoughts are. Um, and uh, we're going to start getting back into those questions and comments um, tomorrow. Again, you can leave your thoughts, leave your questions, and we'll answer all of them um, or respond to all of them if they're not questions um, every show going forward. Um, you can leave those at thedmvr.com on the post for today's show. Uh, you do have to be a member, um, but football is back. Time to sign up. Um, all right. I think that's going to do it for today. I'll see you guys tomorrow. They like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. Might not swear, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway yeah. is pushing one. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army, with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging it.
spray uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya Hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hey, hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle yeah. And we ain't playing with ya, you, you can get it anytime yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line yeah. I call a water swag in the middle of the ring Throwing blows, knocking down team after I team They like my Colorado swag Cause when I'm in that play Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag.